Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. My name is Pastor Chris, and glad to have you with us today. And uh, man, it's been a great service, hasn't it? God's doing a good work in our hearts and in our lives. And in the middle of summer, we're excited to kick off a brand new series of messages, and it comes on the end of another um, series that we've just completed called Four People Every Person Needs. And we talked about the power of relationships in our lives and some relationships we see that God calls us to have. And one is a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Another is a, a relationship with a Barnabas in our life, someone who encourage us, and a Paul, someone who will mentor us and pour into us, and finally, a Timothy, someone that we would pour ourselves into. And these relationships are important. They help to form us. And one person has said, and it's been repeated many times, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, our friendships, those kind of relationships, have a way of determining the path that we'll walk in this life. And I'm, I just want to celebrate church. Last week, we uh, challenged every person that would take a step from that series of messages, as you may be identified in your life. You know what? Yes, I need to have um, some of these relationships. I don't have a Barnabas in my life. I don't have a Paul, someone who would pour into me. I know God has done a lot in my life, and I need someone that I'm supposed to be pouring myself into. And so we invited you to take a step with the message by filling out a card, a response card, where you said, you know what, I commit to be a Paul, a Barnabas, or a Timothy, or I'm looking for one. And I'm, I'm excited that almost 250 people responded and said, yes, that's me. So church, can we celebrate that? There are so many in the house today and maybe watching online that you said, that's me. I want to take that step. I want you to know that if you'll put that into practice, I believe God's going to meet you in a powerful way that you might see over the next few months, especially over the next year or so, how God can change your life through just bringing the right people into your life. Now, as a point of connection to that, I said, you know, what you need to do next is make yourself available. We're going to have different events and opportunities where we're going to be coming together and connecting. It's in those environments where some of those relationships, some of those friendships might be forged and formed. And so, men, I'm talking to you. Come on, men, look at me right now. I got something I need to put in front of you. You ready? I don't feel like I like four men in the room that are ready. I was like, men, take out your phones. Come on, if you schedule things on your phone... Or if your wife does all your scheduling, wives, would you take this out, ladies, and put that, uh, put that there in front of you? And would you take down this date, Tuesday, July 25th, Tuesday, July 25th. Write it down, men, remember it, um, because we're going to be having something we're just simply calling a men's night here at Evangel Church. So you want to know what men's night looks like? First, it looks like some barbecue on the grill. <laughs> Pastor Rick's in. It looks like some barbecue, us cooking out, us having fun. It looks like some games, some fellowship, hanging out. We're going to be out on the lawn here at the church, um, fellowshipping, connecting with one another. It's going to be a great night um, that you can just kick back and, and hang out. And really, we're praying God will just allow us to have a time to connect, to come together, to encourage one another, and have fun as a result of it. Does that sound good? About four of you. Come on, men. You, you said you want to take inst intentional steps towards growing in those kind of relationships. This is a perfect opportunity for that. So that men's night is going to be at 7 o'clock p.m. Thank you, Pastor Rick. We'll probably be hanging out on the lawn a little before that. It'll start at 7 o'clock p.m., and the cost is most important. Men, it's free. Come on. Come on, somebody. It's free. Some free barbecue, some fun. You don't want to miss out on it. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a memorable experience. We planned it for a Tuesday night. 
to protect your weekends with family and other things. So I hope that on a Tuesday night on July 25th, you can set aside time, come here at the church, and let's connect with each other. So I know I said that, and our ladies always seem to top us, so I'm sure we'll be announcing some fun event by the end of summer or other times. Uh, but the Women's Prayer Night's going to be exciting. Come on, somebody. Um, God's doing some good things, and we want to see just the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the, the ministries of our church flourish and be places where you can come together and connect with one another. That's our goal, so don't miss out on that. As we segue into this series of messages that we're in right now, the power of habit, um, I believe that this last series, four people every person needs, connected to this upcoming series that we're beginning today, um, will have a transformational effect in your life if you apply the principles that we've been talking about. In fact, uh, I feel that God's given me kind of a word for what this summer is about. I believe it's a summer of shaping us. It's a summer where the Lord just wants to take and kind of shape us in the way that he would have us. And so um, here's what I've learned. The company that you keep and the habits that you hold they ultimately make you who you are. I'm going to say that again. The company that you keep and the habits that you hold, they make you who you are. And so this is important for us to understand because our life is ultimately shaped by our closest relationships and by the habits that we have in our lives. In fact, Aristotle said this, that you are what you do. And he said, that's kind of a deep thought, Pastor. I didn't make it up. Um, he said that because it's so true. We can say we're one thing but we're ultimately the sum of what we do, how we live our life, the choices that we make and the actions, the habits that we hold. For some of you, it might be the habits that are holding you because they're things you've wanted to break free from, but they have a grip on your life. There are good habits. There are bad habits. Often when we talk about habits, we talk about it in a negative. We talk about those bad habits that we want to shake, that we have difficulty shaking. And so it's not just the habits that you hold, the things that you do. It's the habits that are holding you that you can't seem to break free from. And this is important for us to understand because if we don't grasp this, if we don't allow this to take root in our hearts, we don't understand the power behind those habits and that they really are shaping our lives, we could run a risk of really seeing some, some challenging things happen. We can see devastating things happen if our, if our habits aren't aligned with the life that God has called us to live. And so we see a disconnect between this and God's Word speaks to this as it speaks to so many areas of our lives. And so I want to invite you to open with me to, uh, to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 2. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, and he's talking about this. And I, I'm, this is a passage of Scripture you may have read before, a verse that you may have come across from time to time, but I've seen it in new light recently, and I pray that you will as well. The Apostle Paul, he tells believers in Rome and ultimately to us today, he says this. He says, do not conform, someone say conform, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. This is what needs to happen. He said, quit conforming to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I said, God's given me new eyes for this, and I believe that through becoming a father, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot, not just about my child and about myself and about my wife. I've, I've learned a lot about God and my relationship with him. 
And through that, um, you know, this passage took on a new form when I was playing with my daughter one day. Um, she, one of the first things that she learned to play with creatively, besides her toys or stuffed animals, um, and before crayons and all those kinds of things, is this, Play-Doh. How many know the joys of Play-Doh? Um, and so, you know, we had a lot of fun sitting at the kitchen table and playing with Play-Doh, and she was just amazed at a young age on how it could take on different shapes, and she could mold it and ply it and, and make it into different things. In fact, we bought her a little kitchen set where she could make food for us. Now, she knew she wasn't allowed to eat it for real. We had to pretend to eat it. Some of you, uh, when you were growing up, no one told you that. So that was one of your habits, maybe, that you have, uh, that you ate Play-Doh. Come on, somebody. Don't lie. You're in church. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, yeah, we taught our daughter not to. Um, and so there's this Play-Doh, and she's turning into all these different things. And then we bought this tool here that came with one of her sets. And this is pretty interesting because you put the tool... You put the Play-Doh inside of it, and you kind of hold it here like this. And uh, I don't want to get any Play-Doh on my Bible. Let me make sure. I'm, uh, you know, these don't make these pulpits so that you can play with Play-Doh on them. Um, then it comes with this piece here. And what it is, it's a series of patterns. And these patterns kind of look like different things. And, and so whether it's a circle or it has edges on it or it's meant to be, you know, a bunch of tiny tubes, whatever it is, what you ultimately do, and my, my daughter learned this at like age one or two, that if you slide this through here and you align it to the right pattern, whatever pattern you choose, when you apply pressure, it shapes it. It conforms it to that pattern. So whatever it is, whatever pattern has been set in front of it, when the pressure is applied, that's the shape that it takes. Are you with me? So this is what happens because we are like clay. In fact, the Bible talks about we're like clay. He's like the potter. And I want you to know there's an adverse side to that, that whatever pattern is placed in front of you in this life, and the patterns are formed by the habits that you have, when pressure gets applied and pressure comes in life, it shapes you, it changes you, it makes you who you are. Some of you, you look in the mirror and you're like, how did I become who I am? Because something has been shaping you for a long time. You haven't known it, you haven't recognized it in this way, but I want you to know we're like clay. We're moldable, we're shapeable. And this is what Paul says, is quit being conformed to the patterns of this world. Quit letting this happen. He said, there's a better way. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow this to happen. Allow something to change in your mind, which will ultimately change in your heart. And then, and only then, you can begin to understand what God's will, his perfect, his pleasing plan for your life is, what that looks like. And so this is all about the power of habit, is what are we going to be shaped by, church? What will shape our lives? And for some of us, we have to take a look at things that are going on, things that are around us, and we have to say, no more. I don't want to be shaped in that way. I want to be transformed. I want to be who Christ has created and called me to be. I want to live a different kind of life than the one that I've been living. This is the promise and hope of God. This is the promise of his word, and it's so vitally important. The author, John Maxwell, who is an incredible incredible leader and has written on the subject of leadership very often, um, he's made a lot of observations about life. And one of them that he mentions in one of his books, and he said it a lot of different times, it has to do with this. He said, many people have uphill hopes, but they have 
downhill habits. Many people have uphill hopes. That means that your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, you want to be here. You have plans for your life that are great. You have things that you want to do and have wanted to do growing up that are amazing. And you say, why haven't I gotten there yet? For some, it's because there are some downhill habits that have been holding you back, dragging you down. Here's what it looks like. You may be right here right now when you look at your life, and there's some habits that are downhill habits that have kind of caught you and kept you here. And maybe you began 2017, and you said, you know what? This is where I'm going to be. I'm, I'm marching uphill. I'm going. This is the direction that I'm taking. You made the plan. You have the good intentions. If someone's not told you this yet, there is another quote. It says this, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What that means is good intentions are good. They're not good enough, though they will never get you there. And so it says that we have these good intentions. We have these high hopes. We have these uphill hopes. But there are downhill habits. This is what's keeping you here. You may go six months down the road when you made all these dreams, all these plans, all these aspirations to get somewhere. And when you revisit yourself, you're not here anymore. You're down here. You're wondering what has happened. You know what it is? The habits in your life the company that you keep. <laughs> they make you who you are. Look around and look back. They say that hindsight is twenty twenty. So you can look back and you can watch and see. For some, and you said there's been a slide. I've been falling into things that I shouldn't. I'm not where I wanted to be. In fact, I'm worse off than I was earlier. I feel like I'm, I'm going further, that, further away. What's going on? Look back and take a look at your habits. What, are there some habits in your life that have been unhealthy and pulling you downhill? It's my prayer that over the next few weeks and in this summer that we could address those by the word of God. And I'm so thankful that there's power in God's word and that because of who Christ is, there's power to break every stronghold, to break every bondage, to break every chain that might hold you back, that can help you to overcome any habit that might be dragging you away from the plan and purpose of God and set you on a brand new trajectory. I'm not telling you that just to make you feel good, and I'm not telling you that as something unachievable. Jesus has made it possible for us if we'll take hold of that. And so we're going to talk about the power of habit. And my prayer is that some of those habits that might be in your life that might be holding you back at this season would be gone and that you would have replaced them with some brand new habits that would move you forward. And so for this to happen, we're going to apply something to, um, to each message that we're going to be sharing because I'm going to share some habits that I believe are foundational and so vitally important in our lives. And for us to do that, um, and for us to really kind of apply this word each week, I want to give you three letters that you have to memorize, okay? So let's do it. You're going to say it with me? Um, I-R-A. I-R-A. I'm not talking about your retirement or savings or anything. I'm I-R-A. That's the way that you remember it. Come on, let's hear it with me. I-R-A. We got it. Good. Good. It's going to be about memorization. It's going to be important that you don't just have it written somewhere, but you remember it. Here's what it means. I is for identify. Come on, say it with me. Identify. The first step is to know that there is a problem. It's to call out what the habit is and to identify it clearly. And so if there's something unhealthy, there's something that's there that, that shouldn't be there, you identify it and say there's a, a habit that has power in my life that isn't good, that isn't helping me, that's moving me down and not up. So you identify what that is. They say any first step to most 12-step programs or any program that's going to bring someone into freedom is to really just identify there's an issue. That's the I. I identify. R is replace. Replace. Come on, say it with me. Replace. 
So we're going to identify, we're going to replace. So you're going to identify what that is, and the goal is really to stop doing that, but not just to stop it, but to replace it with something that is right. For some of us, we have unhealthy habits, and you know what we need? We need not just some healthy habits, we need some holy habits, some habits that make us more like Jesus, that make us more like God. And so we're going to replace that with a holy habit, with something that will help us be shaped and look more like Jesus as a result of it. That's my expectation, that if you're a follower of Jesus, that your prayer is this, Lord, every day I spend with you, every day you put me here on earth and you put air in my lungs and you allow me to live and breathe, Lord, help me to look more like you. Lord, help me to walk with you. Help me to experience everything you have for me. And so for that to happen, we're going to take away one of these unhealthy habits that have been identified and say, Lord, we're replacing it with a holy habit, with something, Lord God, that helps me walk with you. So I is identify, R is replace, and A is account. you got to account for it. And the best way to account for it is to invite accountability into your life. This is where it connects back to the last series we talked about, that every one of us need a Barnabas in our life. You need someone that you would be able to say, you know what, there's something unhealthy in my life. There's something that I have that I've decided that I'm, I'm, I don't want to walk in anymore, whatever that might be. And I, I'd ask you that I'm going to replace it with this healthy behavior. And I'd ask you to keep me accountable. I'd ask you to check in on me. I'd ask you just to give me a call. I'd, I, I want to be able to, to kind of have someone that helps me. And that's what a Barnabas would do. It meant to be a son of encouragement. Sometimes encouragement isn't always pleasant because they're still going to be encouraging you and you don't want to get up out of bed and take that two-mile run or you don't want to get up and read the Word or whatever it is that you might say, this is going to be the healthy habit now, Lord, that is coming into my life that I've replaced it with. But you have to invite someone into your life that could speak into that. They can challenge you. They can encourage you. They can check in on you. So that's it. Identify, replace, account. We got it? Come on. I-R-A. Do you got it? So this is it. This is that process that we're going to kind of go through as we walk through this series of messages. And as we do that, you know, the, the goal of this one isn't to provide you just with some good ideas for some new hobbies or, um, you know, new things that you can do uh, just in life in general, I really want us to hone in on the foundation of who you are in Christ. And that's so vitally important that I believe that this summer of shaping, and that's what it's kind of shaping up to be for us through this series of messages, would have a transformational effect on you. Think of it like training. And this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He's speaking to this young pastor, Timothy. And here's what he says to Timothy. He says, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. He says, physical training is good. In fact, physical training could extend your life. But he said, but training for godliness is much better. It has promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. See, when we do this, it doesn't just have an impact in this life, but in eternity. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and we continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. This is God's promise. This is the, the exhortation that Paul has. He says, 
You need to train yourself in godliness. Don't just get caught up in the fads of the day, the things that we can spend so much time focusing on. God bless social media and all the things that it does for us, but some of us, man, we're chasing Pinterest down, and we're chasing the, the newest way to do something and uh, the newest list of things that, you know, hey, I didn't know that all these, you know, animals are venomous or whatever lists we're chasing after. You can tell which one I looked at recently. Um, and we look through those, and we just spend time. And I feel like, man, if Paul could write to us today, like, man, get your head out of the cloud and, like, get down to business, focusing your time on things that are going to result for eternity. Like, get yourself down to training yourself to not know all that, stuff that's kind of useless. That's what he's saying. Like, quit getting caught up in old wives' tales and all this useless stuff. Get into training in godliness. Allow your time to be consumed with becoming more like Jesus. He said, when you do this, it's going to have a transformative effect on your life. You know, what we're asking today for every single one of us, what we're embarking on in our journey is we want to get down to the foundation of our lives and allow some work to happen there, some work that will change us. For some of us, I said that your habits might be what are keeping you right here when you, you feel like you're on this downhill trajectory and you want to get up to a higher place, to a different place. But I also want you to know that as you're thinking about that, you have to think about what is at the foundation of your life because your foundation, just like the foundation of any building, the foundation ultimately determines how high any building can go. you got to think about that for your life as well. Your foundation will ultimately determine how high you can go. And if you go too high on a faulty foundation, you're going to collapse. There will be a great disappointment. There will be a great wake-up call if that foundation is shallow and cannot hold it. That's why if you're going to build a skyscraper, you have to throw down some serious footings in pylons into the foundation to hold up the weight of where it's going. If your plan, if the dream that you have in your life is that God would take you somewhere, that you'd become all that he has created and called you to be, then you better pray, Lord, then help me to have a foundation that when I get there, Lord God, I'll be able to stay there, that I'll be able to stand there. Some of you want to be someone that you're not today, and I want you to know don't worry about the height. Worry about the depth of the foundation. That's what we're focusing on. And the foundation is really formed by the habits. So I want you to know that you may have all these aspirations, but if you have habits that are destroying you at a foundational level, where are you going? There's nowhere to go but down. And so this is what's going on in our lives. This is why habits are so vitally important. And we want to understand and make that decision who and what is at the foundation of our lives? If you're a follower of Jesus, you made a decision, whether you know it or not, to say, Jesus, you are now the foundation of my life. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. He also said, how will you build your life? Will you build it on the rock or on the sand? If we profess to be followers of Jesus, it says this, I'm building my life on a rock, on a firm foundation with Christ as my cornerstone. What a great song we sang today, right? All other ground is sinking sand, like, well, I'm building it on Christ. He'll never fail. The winds, the waves, the storms can come, but he will never fail us. And so that's the decision that we've made. Where will our foundation be? And if that's the case, then our habits need to be centered on that foundation, on Christ, on who he is and what he calls us to do. And when you look in God's word, God shows us some amazing habits that the people of God have had for thousands of years. And that's where I want us to hone in today. In fact, there's a great place to look if you want to understand what it means to be the people of God. You 
Look at the early church. You look at the church in the book of Acts. A group of people that gathered together after Jesus died and rose from the dead. They worshipped him, and God did amazing things. I want you to know that Scripture records that there are some holy habits that the early church had. There were things that they held on to, and they put into practice regularly. And not only did it change their lives, but here's what we need to know, church. It changed the world. <laughs> like, that changed the world, what they committed themselves to. And the same thing is true today. If there is a group of believers in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, that will just get back to the basics, do what we see believers in Jesus called to do, you know what will happen? Our lives will be different, but the world around us will be different. It's just a natural byproduct of it. We don't have to set out to do it. It will just happen because we're the people of God living out the principles of God in his word. So here's what it says in Acts 2.42. These are some of the holy habits of the early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And if you go on further towards the end of Acts chapter 2, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Like God was changing lives all around because of this. But as you read that passage, it says daily, regularly, there's all this consistent language. That's what that habit is. Don't tell me you have a habit doing something that you're doing once a week or once a month. Taking out the trash uh, every Tuesday is not a habit. That's just something you do. Um, I'm talking about those things you do every single day. Sometimes you do it now. It's by default. You're just doing that over. You've been doing it for so long. It's ingrained in you. It's habitual. And so we have things that we can think of, biting your nails, those kinds of bad habits. But there are other things that whenever you focus on them, you discipline yourself, you allow them to grow in your life, they can become good habits that are leading you in the right direction over a long period of time. I want to focus on the first habit we kind of see here in Acts 2.42, when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We have an accounting of all the apostles' teaching, and we basically call it the New Testament of the Scriptures. Um, so they devoted themselves from, to the apostles' teaching, which is the New Testament and the Old Testament, what the apostles are sharing, and, and really the Word of God. And so we see that one of the first areas that we would focus on if we're going to develop a habit that's going to change the foundation of our lives and move us in the right direction, it's really what it means to be in the Word of God and be shaped by the Word of God. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Jesus, in fact, when we talk about that idea of foundations, which is a familiar teaching that Jesus had given to his followers, he didn't just say whoever is going to build here or build there. He actually says it like this. He said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he is like the person who built his house on the rock. And whoever listens to these words of mine but does not obey them, He's like the one who's built it on the sand. And when the storm comes, it doesn't matter how nice the house looks, it's coming down. It's not standing the storm. So Jesus, it's all about his word and how we respond to the word of God that determines the foundation of our lives and what will happen in our lives. If you'll turn with me to the book of James, and you'll see it here up on the screen, chapter 1, James picks up on this, the brother of Jesus, and he continues to carry this teaching forward. And here's what James tells those that are, are reading. He, he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does he say? Do what it says. Don't merely listen to the word. 
Go back one, one verse there. Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, why did he say listen instead of read the word? Because in that day and age, most people were illiterate, um, and they didn't have Bibles like we have them today. Church, we're so blessed. We have the most access in the history of the world to the Word of God. I can pull out this phone right now, and you can name a translation and a language and something, and probably within a minute, I could find a Bible, a passage in that translation in that language to that people group, and we can have access to it at our fingertips. Do you know how remarkable that is? Fifteen years ago, we could not say that. Ten years ago, we really couldn't say that in as many languages as we do today. So we have this abundance of information at our fingertips when it comes to the Word of God. It's more accessible than it's ever been before. And so with this, we have that, but the the problem is that I believe we are the most biblically illiterate generation that there's ever been. I believe we know less of God's Word, although we have more of God's Word around us. So I think that, I'll say it like this, I think God's Word is more around us than it is in us. It's around, it's flooding all around us, but is it really in us the way that I believe God would call us to have it in us? And so, you know, for James, when he's saying, he says, don't just listen to the Word of God. And the way that they would hear the Word was through people reciting it. They would get one of these scrolls. They would get the letter to the, Rome, the church in Rome, and they would just read it out loud in its entirety. And the people would listen intently. And when James, when the letter from James came and circulated around the early churches, and they're reading it out loud, it's like, James is like, don't just hear what I'm saying and deceive yourselves. Do what the Word of God teaches you to do. See, whenever we do this, we deceive ourselves. If we're just listening, we can have an emotional reaction to the Word of God. It's very possible. I'm sure there are times that you've sat in a service like this and you've gotten teary-eyed and you felt incredible emotion welding up inside of you. And then at the end of it, you've nodded and you said, yes, that sounds good. And then you got up and you left and you did nothing about it. That's what James is talking about. He said, don't listen to the word and do nothing. You're going to deceive yourself. You deceive yourself into thinking something significant has happened when nothing has happened. If we just come and listen to the word and do nothing with it, we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're growing when we're not, to thinking that we're obeying when we are not. And so he says, don't do that. He said, anyone who listens, verse 23, to the word and doesn't do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately, forgets what he looks like. If we're not putting it into practice, we're going to easily forget. We won't remember. But, verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. I want the byproduct of my life to be the blessing of God. I want what my life produces, what I do. I don't want to just do good things, but what he's teaching here, he says, whenever our life, our actions, our habits line up with the word of God, there is a residue, there's a byproduct. It's the favor and blessing of God. And you know, I want you to know God's desire is to 
bring his favor into your life for you to experience his goodness. I know sometimes we talk about the idea that, look, hey, whoever told you that following Jesus is going to be all, you know, amazing and easy and you'll never have a difficulty or challenge, like, you know, they sold you a lie. And that's true. Like, no, Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. It'll be challenging. But let's not run so far to that extreme to think God has no desire to bless and to allow his favor to be shown in the lives of his people. That's not true. He does. That's a part of his desire. I wish you'd agree with me, church. Uh, Come on. That's a part of it. He says it. He says, when we do this, we can experience the blessing of God in our lives, the favor of God. God honors us as we honor him. He does it. And so this is important and vital. And James is warning the church that we have to put God's word into practice. God's word is not meant to be a decoration piece on your shelf. It's meant to be a fixture deep in the recesses of your heart. It's meant to be there. It's not meant to hang somewhere and sit somewhere Sunday to Sunday. It's meant to be open and your life to be open. It's meant to be like that mirror. He says that, you know, I how James says that when we look at the word and go away, not doing what it says, it's like we looked in a mirror and forgot what we look like. I often like to talk about the word of God like a mirror, that when we look into the word, we realize as well that we're not looking there just to see God's word and just to understand what someone else was like and just to look at it and, and think about the people that we know that aren't obeying God's word and aren't doing what's right. We're not looking at it so we can point our finger at anyone else. We're looking at it so that our reflection can be seen. So when I look there, the first thing I can ask the Lord is, Lord, how does this reflect in my life? This is who you call me to be and this is who I am. We allow that reflection to happen and to say, Lord, something's off. Something's off here. Lord, help me to walk in your ways. And it's in those moments that our life is being shaped by the Word of God. And so this is the desire here. And there's power in God's Word, incredible power. Um, I love how Paul explains it to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says this, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true. Ready? to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, it says God uses it to do what? To prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I want you to know that as your desire would be to go up and to move in the direction that God has for your life, that it's through the Word of God that you are equipped and prepared to do every good work that God has for you, that God has planned for you, that God has provided for you, that God desires for you. But it starts with having God's Word at the foundation of your life, that you're in the Word, that you're reading the Word, that you're studying God's Word. I can remember in my life, when I came to faith in Christ, I was 15 going on 16 years old. I didn't know anything about the Lord. I had not really ever read the Bible. I knew a couple verses probably because I'd heard them repeated so often. But after I got to know Jesus, I was passionate to know more about him. I really wanted to know who he was and and, and what it meant that I was saved and how my life was different. And and I, I just started opening up the Bible and reading, and I asked people around me, like, what should I be reading? And they pointed me to the Gospel of John and other New Testament books, and I read the Gospel of John, then I read the book of Acts, and I'm reading, I'm thinking, whoa, this is amazing. These things are happening. I'm seeing people that are being healed, and I'm thinking, can Jesus still do that today? And I talk, yes, he still does it today. Wow, Jesus heals. We had a young man who was suffering from seizures that we prayed for at the altar. He was having 
over and over again, I think daily, came forward 21 days free, isn't that a seizure? In 21 days, just last service, like, praise, like, does he heal? Yes, he heals still today. Like, this is amazing, and we're reading it, and what happens is God's word is coming alive in that moment, and I'm reading it, and I'm realizing things. I'm realizing his promises. I'm realizing who he is, and, and how this thing called faith works, and I'm just, that's just my early journey with the Lord. I was just trying to get to know him more and more. You know what I liken it to? You know, one of the things that we're notorious for, maybe as humans, but definitely as men, we don't like to read the instruction manual, right, for anything. Are you with me? We don't like to read the directions. We don't like to read the manual. We don't like to read any of it. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these experiences where you're sitting maybe with your spouse and like, hey, babe, whatever it is that you bought and you've been using it for two years, did you know this does dot, 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 dot? It's like all these amazing features. And you're like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. I'd just been using it as a doorstop or whatever, you know, whatever it is. We are, you know, so underutilizing whatever it is that we have because we never looked at the manual. Are you with me? And I think about that. I think about that for my car. I think that's like, wow, did you know about all these features? Like, no, I just do get from point A to point B. I want you to know that there is a manual, an owner's manual that we have received. And it doesn't just tell us what's good and what's bad and how to fix it when it's broken. It tells us about some of the incredible things, the incredible promises and features of the life that we have and the incredible things that the God that we serve can do. And it's like we should be reading that and saying, did you know God does that? Did you know God can heal? Did you know nothing's impossible for him? Did you realize that whenever we're tempted, he won't do that? You know, like, did you realize, like, what would it look like for you to have new eyes looking at God's word? And not just realize it's just a book of antiquity. It's not. It's living, active. It's alive, and it makes us alive. And when we read it, we should be real realizing God's promises are yes and amen. And we got to quit getting by just trying to get from point A to point B. Let's figure out the features of this Christian life and figure out what God has called us to. That's what it's about when we get into his word. And I can remember that journey for myself and learning the word of God and learning more about him. And that journey took me to a place where in my desire to know more about him, because I'd read some of these passages and I didn't understand what they meant necessarily. There are parts that confused me. And with that, I started asking questions. And because I asked so many questions, my, my pastor, who had poured into my life, said there's a new ministry that we're going to be starting um, that's for teenagers called Bible Quiz. And you can be a part of Bible Quiz. And during that, you get to memorize different verses of Scripture. And so I really got involved in that area because I wanted to learn more about God and His Word. And it was a lot of fun. And you got to compete and have matches and, and score points and things like that. But the whole ministry centered on memorizing books of the Bible. And so the first time and season I was in it, I was only in the Lord months, maybe a year, when I got involved, it was the whole Gospel of John that over a year you had to memorize. Um, and so I just want to tell you I did not memorize the whole thing at all. Um, I probably in the whole season scored like 75 points, um, which you may think that's really great. Well, you know, you get 10 points for every question you answer and you, they take away five points for every one you get wrong. So uh, that means I answered eight and got one, at least one wrong. I probably answered about 20 and got a bunch wrong. Um, so that's what happened uh, during that season. And I enjoyed it, though, because I was learning more about it. And then the next season, I committed myself, and I studied, and I memorized more of God's Word and Scripture. What's amazing is that today, church, years later, I could still quote those verses to you, so many of them. They come right to my mind. In fact, someone said something I'm going to share with you in just a moment. 
to me in the hallway, and I said, hold on, there's a verse. And I went back to a verse that I'd memorized when I was a teenager. I said, that's, that's what I need to tell the second service. I didn't have to go into my Bible and look it up. I, I didn't remember the reference, but I remembered the whole substance of the passage that was there because earlier on I had hidden it in my heart. And I want you to know that it isn't just about reading the Word of God. I really want to encourage us to take it a step further because for thousands of years, the way that the people of God interacted with the Word of God was they committed it to memory. In fact, young Jewish boys, they were growing up in the Jewish faith. They had to commit the whole Torah to memory. And they would, they would commit so much of it to memory. And, and often by, I think, the 12th birthday or something around there, they would need to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. They need to commit to memory and be able to quote it from their own memory. Amazing. But I want you to know it has an impact. It's transformative when that's happening. It changes everything. And so we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it talks about this, about the Word of God. It says, the Word of God is living. It's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here's what happens when the Word of God is memorized, when we've committed to memory, when we have it in our minds and it, it falls into our hearts. Something changes. Because here's what it looks like if we're truly saying, Jesus, we're going to do this. We're going to have this habit of being in your Word and building our life on the right foundation Here's what it does not look like. We don't just go on living our life and then every day go back to the Word. I mean, it's a part of it, but it can be frustrating. You, you live your life, you do whatever you're doing, then you come back to the Word and you read and you say, oh my goodness, I just did the thing it said not to do. It said don't do this in anger, and I, oh, I totally did that. And you're just making an accounting for all the things you missed. You pray, you repent, all right, Lord, I'm not going to do it again. You come back, there's some other thing. You, Oh, no, I didn't do that. You know, I forgot that it was written in there. Um, it's not just about us coming back here and looking back through and reading and seeing, but as it's committed to memory, something different takes place inside of our hearts. Because it says the Word of God's living and active, and I believe when we've committed it to memory, we've internalized the Word of God as we're walking through our day, not just at night or at times when we're reading the Bible, but as we're about to do something maybe we shouldn't do, we get that check in our spirit and God brings a verse to mind. Hold on, this is what God's Word says. This is who God's Word says I'm to be. And in that moment, you can make a decision that has been shaped by the Word of God, living, active in you. It says that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How many of you would be so thankful at a moment where you do something you know you shouldn't do? In that moment, the Word of God can stand there and judge the thought and attitude in your heart to say, and by the Holy Spirit's power, bring it to your attention. Say, no, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't walk in that direction. I want you to know it'll save you a lot of grief, a lot of heartache. It's transformative when that happens. Here's what Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. What's the purpose? That we wouldn't sin against God. That's why we hide his word in our heart. We don't just need to return to it daily, but we carry God's word everywhere that we go. And I want you to know that it's close here, but it's closest when it's in our heart, when we've memorized and internalized it. And so this is vitally important to our journey, to who God has called us to be, who God has created us to be. When we have God's word, we have a lamp, the Bible says. It says it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It illuminates where we go. We can see clearer when we have the word of God. It's like a compass. It navigates us. When we have God's word, if we are called to a journey with Christ, 
Everywhere we go, God's work can help lead us and guide us. For some of you, you might be like me, you have a lot of books on your shelves. And we have a lot of books. We have books about marriage. We have books about parenting. We have books about prayer. We have books about our finances. We have books about all of these different things. I want you to know we could save a small fortune because God's Word speaks to every single one of those areas in our lives and speaks better. Man, that was weak. First service got what I was talking about. I want you to know you have all of that. And that's, I'm not even saying anything's wrong with all of that, but but aren't we so quick to run to those areas and those solutions and not remember that there is an abundance, abundance of wisdom in God's Word? You want to know about how to love others. You want to know about relational conflicts. You want to know about how to serve. You want to know about how to pray. You want to know about finances. You want to know about decision-making. You want to know about all kinds of things. You go to God's Word, and guess what? You see him teaching us through wisdom literature and all these different passages, but then also as you read in different narratives and different stories that unfold, you distill principles from God's Word that are timeless, that apply to you right where you are today. I'm so thankful that the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but here's what I also know to be true, that if the Word of God is living and active, God's Word is applicable yesterday, today, and forever. It is forever. It is His way of revealing Himself to His people. And so when we're in the Word of God, and when the Word of God is in us, it changes us, it shapes us, it forms us. And when that's at the foundation, you'll begin to see some habits and patterns being changed in your life, but without regular, consistent follow-through in time, we're going to miss it. This isn't something to just come to weekly. This is meant to be a daily time and exercise, spending time in the Word of God. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come forward at this time. I'm going to invite you to make a decision today because these, every single one of these messages that we're going to be sharing with you, my prayer is that they're all applicable messages or applicable to you. It means that there's an application, meaning that there's an action on the other side of it. How sad would it be for us to have heard what we just heard and read what we've just read and heard the exhortation from James to say, don't just listen to the word of God. Do what it says. And we would do nothing about it. And so I want to invite you to take a step with me. We talked about identifying, replacing, being accountable. I-R-A. You got to identify, maybe there's a habit in your life, something that isn't healthy, that isn't moving you forward. That's, you're spending some kind of time. It doesn't even need to be a big bad thing that's like, you know, causing all kind of shame. There might be some of those things and habits in your life that are holding you. God wants to bring freedom into your life from that. But others, there may have been things that may be okay in your life and, you know, eh, it's not hurting anyone. It's not really hurting me. But, but as you pray about it, you realize it's holding you back. That you can't keep doing that and get to where God's called you to be. Sacrifice isn't just giving up things that we hate and can't stand to take on something better. Sacrifice is sometimes giving up what we love for what we love more. And so today, whatever that might be, there might be a habit, something in your life that needs to be replaced. Identify that. And let one of the first things to be replaced and reestablished in your life is daily time reading the Word of God. Daily time reading God's Word, reading Scripture. And the challenge that I'm going to give you today 
is twofold. That we would commit together. And I want to tell you that just reading one verse of Scripture a day is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Bible reading. And if you would just be real with yourself and that's all you can do, be real before God today. I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to embarrass anyone and ask you to stand up or single you out. But you know, you know the condition of your spiritual walk with God. You know where your priorities lie. You know how you spend your time each day, each morning, each night. What I'm going to ask you to do if you're going to really want to unleash the power of a holy habit in your life, commit to reading the Word of God. I'm going to ask you as a starting point. I don't know where everyone is today, but in a, as a starting point, if you just be honest to say, my Bible reading is inconsistent at best, will you commit daily to reading the Bible for 10 minutes? 10 minutes a day. That's all I'm going to ask you as a starting point. 10 minutes a day. You'd be amazed at how much you could read in 10 minutes. You could take it at any pace you want. I didn't want to give you a number of chapters or anything. No, just set a timer on your phone somewhere if you want and just read for 10 minutes. Just take in the Word. We're going to get into some other practices that can happen around that time when you're praying, but would you, starting today, starting tonight or starting tomorrow morning, would you make that commitment every day, Lord, I'm setting aside 10 minutes. I'm going to replace something old in my life that I know isn't benefiting me. And This is what's taking that place. 10 minutes in your Word. Watch what God does to begin to shape you through that. The second thing that I want you to commit to do is not just to be in the Word, but to have the Word in you. And so one verse a week memorized. One verse. Can you do it, church? Come on, one verse a week. What will happen? You'll be amazed at how much of the Bible you've read in a year, in six months, from 10 minutes a day. You'll be amazed how many verses, 52 verses in a year you could have memorized. And as you commit that one verse to memory, you're just repeating it, you're just looking at it. It could be, I know many of us, um, maybe through your Bible app, if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, version is, I believe, the best one out there. There are many great ones you could download. You can get into a Bible reading plan. You can um, go online. I mean, again, the Bible is so accessible to us today. If you want to learn more about the Bible as you're reading and understand about it, go to The Bible Project. Search for that on Google, and you can learn some incredible things along with your reading. But as you're reading, maybe you get verses of the day that pop up. Each week, just pick one of those verses. Maybe it's just that's the way you're going to do it. Pick one verse, pull that out, print it, write it somewhere, and just memorize it by the end of that week. Then move to the next week and the next week, and watch how many verses of God's Word start to find their way into your heart, help you, shape you, lead and guide your life. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And I want for those of you that are making that decision, I want you just to begin to just pray and just ask the Lord to help you, the Holy Spirit to give you strength to make this commitment, to allow this new habit to be formed and forged in your life. For some of you, if you already feel that 10 minutes isn't enough and you, you want to continue forward and, and extend that goal, put it wherever you'd like. I'm asking for everyone, though, to make that commitment to allow God's Word to shape your life at least 10 minutes a day. Begin to pray about that. Begin to ask the Lord to help you, give you strength, wisdom, clarity. Just begin to ask him. But for others, I'm going to talk to you for just a moment. You're in the room today, and all of this is great, but none of it will matter if you haven't made the first and greatest choice in your life. God's Word is full of incredible promises, and the greatest promise is this, that although the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
The greatest promise God ever made is this, that you could bring your brokenness and your sin and your shame and your past. You could bring it to Jesus. And because Jesus died and rose again, he has offered you the gift of forgiveness and freedom from your sin. And today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, that's the first and greatest decision that you make. Before anything else, you make that decision to put him first and watch how your life will be changed as a result of that decision. But that defining moment, it requires a decisive action. And that action is you to actually make a decision to follow Jesus with your life to accept the gift of his forgiveness, to confess your sins to him and place your faith in his incredible work and his incredible grace in your life. And so I'm speaking to somebody today that maybe you're far from God and you, you've never done that. You've never made that decision. Maybe you've been very far from God for a long time and today's a homecoming event for you because you're ready to turn your life around and come back to Jesus. Whatever it might be, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to invite you to respond right now to let me know that you'd like to give your heart to Jesus. And if that's you, without anyone looking around, just lift your hand high above your head, and I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, just lift your hand above your head right now. Say, Pastor, I want to follow Jesus. I want to experience what you've just talked about. I've never invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Lift your hand up right where you're at. I see your hand in the balcony. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Amen. Praise God. See hands on the main floor here as well. Praise God. And I can't see everyone. If you're online watching somewhere else, lift your hand up right now before God. Don't worry. Just call out to him. Reach out to him. I'm going to pray with you. Repeat these words from the bottom of your heart. Repeat them with me. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died a real death and you rose again so that I could be forgiven. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for leading and guiding me. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate with those that made that decision today? Praise God. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. And now that you've made that decision, don't, don't run from it, but Run to God. Learn more about him. In fact, if you made that decision today, we have a free Bible that we want to give you as a gift. So please don't leave here today without receiving that gift from us and having us connect with you. Um, let's all stand together, church. We have some homework to do, don't we? We have some habits that we're going to put into practice in our lives. And the first one is getting into, the God, into God's word and allowing God's word to get into us. Remember, identify that habit that's there that needs to be replaced, replace it, and enter into accountability with someone that they can help you in this journey. Read 10 minutes a day, memorize one verse a week. Can we do it, church? Come on, let's do it together. Let's see God's word take root in our hearts and shape us and lead us and guide us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word as a people, as a church, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to be known by the building in which we worship. We want to be known by the way we live our lives, Lord God. May people see us 
in the months and weeks to come, may they recognize the difference that you have made in our lives. Lord, that begins with your word, and so we make that commitment now seriously in your presence, Lord God, that we will be people of the word of God, shaped by the word, Lord God. So we will commit to read, Lord God, to be in the word and to memorize and hide your word in our hearts. So we do that. Help us, Holy Spirit. Bring it to remembrance, Holy Spirit, when we face times of trial, times of challenge, times of temptation, times where sin is crouching. May the word of God be the one to remind us of the way that we are to walk. So we commit that to you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is good. Thank you so much for being a part of church today. If you uh, need prayer, you can come forward. We'll have some of our prayer team up front. If not, God bless you. Uh, make sure you're back here next week as we continue the series. We can't wait to see what God has in store. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.